This week we're carrying on our new series as we look at the Christmas story and we're picking up different characters in that story. And so this week we're going to be looking at Mary. Mary, we last looked at Elizabeth and Zachariah, the, the cousin of Mary. Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. And so this week we're going to zoom in and have a look at Mary. It's great to hear uh, Michael be interviewed earlier and talking about sung worship because we're going to be looking at Mary's song. It's called the Magnificat. It's a Latin word for glorifying. And so that's what we're going to look at, Mary glorifying God in her song. But before we do that, let's think about this story. I want you to imagine yourself in this story. And just as you centre your minds on that, let me just pray for us as well. So Father, help us now. Help us to see you. Help us, Jesus, to realise that this is not just a story, but a reality that changes every other reality. Holy Spirit, would you enable us to see what's going on here? Would you refresh our hearts and stir our affections for Jesus, please? We need you. I need you now, Lord. So please come and speak to your people. In your mighty and precious and and life-giving name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, imagine yourself in this moment of the story. We're going to be in Luke's Gospel. If you've got a Bible, just open up to Luke chapter 1. And we read here in these kind of verses at the start of this book of Luke, we read about Mary encountering the angel Gabriel. Mary is is just about to meet this angel. I mean, just imagine that for a moment. You're going about your ordinary day and and in a few moments' time, an angel is going to turn up. And so Gabriel is is on his way and and you're engaged as well. You're, You're engaged to be married to a man called Joseph. Big shout out to Michael and Rachel if you haven't heard. They're engaged, so this story will be more pertinent for them. But they are engaged to be married. Mary is engaged and then Gabriel stands in front of her and says, You will have a son. He will be called Son of the Most High. What? He will sit on a throne. What? He will reign forever. I mean, if your mind isn't blown already, it should be. And then Mary's mind is blown. She's thinking, well, how could this be possible? I haven't even been with a man, Gabriel. How can this be possible? And Gabriel says, don't worry. God is miraculously going to give you a son, not through human efforts, but by his spirit. What a key theme in scripture. But imagine then the conversation that Mary's got to have with Joseph. Joseph, we're going to have a son. What do you mean we're going to have a son? Have you slept with another man, Mary? And just imagine what Mary's got to go through. That must be racing through her mind. Imagine letting your parents know, Mum, Dad... I'm pregnant. What? You've you've slept with Joseph and you've you've not even got married yet? 
Imagine the neighbours, you know, as they see your belly starting to get bigger and they realise you've not married Joseph. And as you go to the market, there's the little whispers, there's the little talks. This is all that Mary has got to go through and more. Oh yeah, and by the way, Mary, your, your cousin Elizabeth, the one that we heard about last week, yet that older one, she's going to have a child as what? As well, what? What? That's impossible. Yes, it is. But with God, all things are possible. So how does she react to this news? How do you react? How would you react in that moment? Well, key verse for us this morning is Luke chapter 1, verse 38. I encourage you to open up your Bible to see it for yourself. And it says this, Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me, according to your word. Let it be to me according to to your word. Isn't that incredible, her, her reaction? Let it be to me according to your word. What humility. And that is a mark that we're going to see in Mary. She is a servant. And look, this isn't blind acceptance. Remember, she's asked her questions. How is this going to happen? How can this be possible? But once she's told, she accepts it, submits herself to it in humility. It's incredible. And, and look, don't forget where Mary is from. She's from Nazareth. Think, think Kenny. Think, think Walton. Think, think the north part of the city. She's from an ordinary place in the city. She is an ordinary woman. An everyday kind of woman. And look, she is a woman as well. I've sometimes heard people say about Christianity that Christianity is sexist. Well, I can think of no other religion that honours women more. Mary is, is a key figure in Jesus' story, not just at the birth, but she's there at the death. And think how many other women are throughout his life story. Jesus honours women. But Jesus knew Mary. Father, Son and Spirit know this ordinary woman from an ordinary part of town with an ordinary life. Isn't that mind-blowing? In fact, this moment was predicted over 700 years before Mary was even born. Remember that famous Christmas verse in Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. It says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That virgin is Mary. Father, Son and Spirit knew Mary before she was created, knew the plan that they had for her life, knew the purpose that they wanted to give to her. Isn't that incredible? Because we can say the same about us. God knows us. Everything about us. Doesn't this blow your mind? You know, the, the one who flung the stars into space, the one who spoke to Saturn and told Saturn how to form that planet was to be formed. The one that burns hotter than the sun is now going to inhabit Mary's womb. 
This is mind-blowing. Do not miss the wonder of what is happening here. So why Mary? Why any of us? Why does he come to us? I think one of the keys we see for why Mary is chosen is that verse I've already shared, but also what she shares in this song that we're going to spend our time on, verse 46 to 56. And I think what we see in this psalm, this song, this song of praise from Mary, is Mary comparing pride and humility. And we see that Mary is a humble person. And that's the sort of person that God comes to and spends time with. And there's strong echoes as we read this passage of of the prayer and the song that Hannah prayed in the book of Chronicles. Hannah was a barren woman who couldn't have children and prayed for a child and then the prophet Samuel was born to her and she sung this similar song. So there's echoes of this throughout scripture. So let's read together. Uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 46 to the end of that song. So this is Mary replying to her cousin Elizabeth whose house she is now at and it says this and Mary said my soul magnifies the Lord And my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Isn't it an incredible song? And so I think as you read that, don't you see that kind of pride and humility? So those are going to be the two themes that we're going to pick up and just explore a little bit together this morning. So pride, what is pride? Pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit or superiority, whether it's cherished in the mind or is displayed in bearing and conduct. That's the dictionary definition of pride, wrongful pride. It's a form of of boasting, isn't it, pride? But often boasting in self. There is a pride that's okay. We can be proud of things. In fact, in Scripture it says we're to boast in Christ. We're to be proud of Christ. But there's a pride that's arrogant and self-focused. And that's the kind of pride that Mary is speaking of here when it ends in itself. So so what's humility then? We need to understand what these two things are. So humility is the quality or condition of being humble, modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance or rank. And don't we see that in Mary? Her humble estate, that's what she calls herself, a humble estate. Spurgeon said this, humility is the proper estimate of oneself. So humility isn't kind of self-abasement and and just speaking nastily about yourself and, and putting yourself down all the time. 
That's not what humility is. It's a proper understanding of self. And in fact, it's a, a looking away from self. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, and I think you'll have heard this quote before, but it's so helpful. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And so what he's saying is it's, it's don't spend all your time just thinking about me. That's the point, isn't it? It's about not being self-obsessed. Remember that verse that Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She humbles herself underneath his instruction. That's humility. Her eyes are off herself and they're on to God. So where do we see pride in this passage then? I don't know if you notice as we read through it, scattered throughout, but it, it says in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. That's how God treats proud people. He comes to, to scatter them. Verse 52, he goes on, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. So those that are proud and, and lift themselves up, and just think about self. Those are the people that God will bring down and God will oppose. And then it says in verse 53, the rich he has sent away empty. And look, that doesn't mean if, if you're rich, you're automatically proud. No, it's, it's people that rely on their wealth. It's people that look to their wealth as their God. They're the people that God is going to come against. There's nothing wrong with wealth in and of itself. It's when it becomes our ultimate thing. And those are the people that God will oppose. And, and he says in verse 50, his mercy is for those who fear him. So the opposite is true, isn't it? Those that don't fear him, those that have fear of other things instead of God, they are the ones that God is going to oppose. So what do we see of humility in this, in this passage? Well, we've seen straight away in verse 48. Mary says, God has looked on the humble estate, the lowly estate. I position, she's not saying, I'm, I'm great, I'm wonderful, and therefore God has come to me. No, she's saying, I am ordinary, an ordinary human, full of weakness and frailties in an ordinary part of town. But God has come to me. That's humility, isn't it? And it says in, in verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. There's an echo of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't there, that we looked at over the summer. He has filled the hungry with good things. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, those that hunger and thirst after God, he fills those. But those that say, no, I'm full up with that, so I don't need any of that. They are the ones that he opposes. I don't know if you've ever heard that quote. Some people are so poor, all they have is money and there's echoes of that in this verse and notice how many times Mary sings for he has or says he has she constantly points to God doesn't she look verse 48 for he has notice where she's pointing notice where her gaze is going verse 49 for he who is mighty verse 50 and his mercy verse 51 he has shown verse 52 he has brought down verse 53 he has filled the hungry verse 54 he has helped his servant verse 55 he has done it what he promised he has done mary is constantly pointing away from herself behold I am a servant of the Lord. 
Let it be to me according to your word. It's incredible, her humility. And as an aside, I find it strange how people end up worshipping Mary as some kind of deity. I really do, because even just based on this short piece of scripture, she's pointing away from herself. She's just a humble servant, but look at the God that I serve. That's her estate, that's her position, and so should be ours. But a question that should be rising internally in us should be, am I humble? Am I proud? It's a massive theme in scripture, isn't it? So what's the the process that we see in this song that helps us to, to maintain that humility? Well, verse 47 and 48 talk about what Mary does. And then the rest of the song talk about why she does that. So I think that first couple of verses are are really helpful. So the first thing she does, she praises not herself, but God. And then the second half of the song, why does she do that? So let's just have a little look at those first two verses, just to get an idea. How can we get some of this humility? How can we remain humble? And so verse 47 says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. And she magnifies the Lord. And as John Piper says about magnification, this is not with a microscope, but this is with a a telescope. She's not trying to make something that is small, bigger in that kind of magnification. No, she is looking at something that is vast as through a telescope and realising how magnificent it is. And so the word magnifies in that verse can actually also be translated as the Lord has shown. The Lord has shown. In fact, if you just glance on to verse 58, uh, and it says here, and her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown. It's the same word in Greek. So the Lord had shown. So why do I say that? That's simply to say that the revealing of a reality about God is not making something bigger. God is revealing something of himself. So it's like the Lord has shown Mary something of himself. And that's what Mary is, is making. She's saying, I've seen something great about the Lord. Look how wonderful God is. And God is always bigger than we realise. There's always more with God. Imagine that, that planet of, of Saturn, you're looking at it and you see something amazing. Then you scan across and you see something else. You just, you can't picture the whole thing. And that's just a planet. This is God that we're talking about. We can't fully take him in. So we could say, Mary is saying, my soul is, is taking something in about God and it, it just causes me to praise him, to, to well up in joy, to sing to him and to praise him. Look how magnificent he is. And that's something she's taking in how he treats the humble and lowly and it just causes her soul to celebrate. So if you want humility, we need to gaze at God and see his vastness and see his majesty and see his wonder because that will humble us. He's not some tiny God under a microscope. He's a gigantic God, vast, yet comes to this lowly servant Mary. It is incredible. I'm an ordinary woman in an ordinary town. I'm not, but Mary is. With an ordinary life, yet the king of the universe has come to me. You are an ordinary person. I am an ordinary person. 
Yet if we humble ourselves, God comes to us. For years to come, says Mary, people will know how good God has been to me, this ordinary woman. And my heart cannot help but sing. Verse 48 tells us, he has looked at her. He has looked at her. God sees her. God sees you. He knows you. He knows you. I remember when I was a Christian for about two, three months, if that. We went to a conference, Christian conference, brilliant. First stuff I'd ever heard. This teaching was amazing. Uh, a massive room full of Christians singing praises out to God. How sweet that would be right now. It was amazing and I was so charged up. I said, do we go out now and tell people about God? Is that what we do? And so I went out into, into Skegness and, and started trying to tell people about God. And all I knew what to do was just to say, you know, Jesus loves you. I was just going up to random people and they were giving me a hard time. And I remember going into a shop doorway. And I remember at this stage of my Christian life, I didn't know whether I needed to pray out loud for God to hear me or whether you could just pray in your head. And, and so I was just internally saying, God, if you want me to talk to people, I can't do this. You've got to bring people to me. As soon as I finished that sentence, this, this man came up to me and he said, I, I know you, don't I? I know you, don't I? And I was so shocked that an instant answer to an internal thought had come that I was speechless for the first 20 seconds. But then we had that amazing conversation. I told him why I was in that area and we began to talk about God and, and I prayed for him. And he didn't become a Christian or anything, but I don't know what happened to him, but I know it was a, a God-ordained moment. But it was probably a week or two later, I felt as if God reminded me of that conversation. And it was as if he was saying to me, do you remember what that man said? And all that that man kept saying to me was, I know you, don't I? I know you. And it was as though God said to me, that was me speaking to you, George. Because I know you. I know every thought you have, every prayer you offer up to me, I hear. I see you, George. I know your name. I know where you live. And so there's a sense of that here in this passage, in the Christmas story, that God knows us. God has come to be with us. Don't miss the wonder of that. God knows you. He knows where you are this week. He knows what you need. It's incredible. And so then the psalm or the song goes on to talk about why she praises God in this way, why her soul magnifies and rejoices in her God. She praises because he comes to broken, messy people. Because the world says you need to sort yourself out. You're on your own. You need to look out for number one. You need to play, I did it my way at the funeral. Yet Mary sees a God who is nothing like that. A God who was promised from Abraham right to this very moment to her to provide a way that is not from humanity but from God. God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. That's exactly what the book of James says. God created the world out of nothing, says Luther. And as long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. So humility is a form of submission to acknowledge someone above you that you are not number one. You are not the centre of the universe. 
So pride, conversely, says the opposite, doesn't it? I make my own way. I decide what happens in my life. I make my own money. I force my way through. Verse 51 says the proud thoughts are self-focused, not God's focused. And so he scatters them. Pride says, did God really say that? As in the Garden of Eden. The humble heart says, let it be to me according to your word. The humble heart submits to God's word. That's what we learn in this song. The proud heart thinks fulfillment is found in creation. Do you see that in verse 53? He's filled the hungry with good things. The rich is sent away. Those that think that their money is going to provide what they need. The humble heart realises everything is a gift from the Lord. He can accomplish it. He is sovereign. He is great. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. So let's bring this closer to home. Some of you might be thinking, well, I get it, George. I get it. I get as a Christian, I, I should submit to God and follow him. I know he can accomplish great things. I submit to him. I'm a Christian. But then we get in our car this afternoon and we drive around Queen's Drive and we we get mad at the driver in front of us. Or maybe you're at work and, and you lack joy, you're irritable and you think life is treating you unfairly. What's, what's that got to do with humility or pride, George? Well, I fear that we are sent to the right beliefs, but in the practical living of it, we can still be full of pride. How do I know that? Because I see my own heart. You see, the the car analogy is me, really. It's pride, isn't it? I need to get fast. I need to get through. My day is more important than your day. Or, or for example, this week, we're we're trying to buy a house at the moment. And uh, one of the people that we're dealing with became really difficult. And I I was tempted to pull out the whole thing just because of this person. That was pride. I wanted to be right. I wanted to show him that I was right. It's pride, isn't it? And that's with the the sermon is my backdrop this week. Pride says I decide how quickly I should get around places. Pride says my Christmas should go my way. I should be able to see who I want when I want. Thank you very much. Pride tells the Facebook world what a poor job everyone else is doing and what a great job you could do. Just enter X, whatever that topic is. Pride says, it's not fair. My life isn't going how I want it to go. I should have more time for myself. I I, I should have a different family. I should have a family. I should be married to someone else. I should be married. You know, whatever it is in your heart, these can be signs of, of pride saying, I know what's best for my life. Not, as Mary said, I am your servant. Let it be according to me as your word. Pride says, I'm an angel of light. Really, I should be God. That's where Satan started. Humility says, it's well with my soul. God is in charge. Maybe this traffic jam is a way of him slowing me down or simply avoiding an accident I could be in. Humility says, even though I've had some hard conversations with Joseph and my parents, it's going to be tough, but God is my saviour. I can praise him. He's in control. He's got me. He loves me. He's, he's for me. F.B. Mayer says this about humility. He said, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above another. And the taller we grow, the easier we can reach them. Now I find that God's gifts are on shelves. 
And the lower we stoop, the more we get. That's so true. So then, off we pop. Let's be less prideful and more humble this week. Off we go. Is, is, is that it? Have you ever seen that um, comedy sketch of a psychiatrist? This woman goes into a psychiatrist's office and he says, that I can give you just three words. It's not going to cost you much money and, and the consultancy will just take about 10 minutes. Whatever your problem is, is just three words. This is incredible. What is it? So she tells him his, his prob- her problem. She's full of fear of death and all these things. And he just returns and he says, just stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> but I fear sometimes we can get to that place and that's what you hear in this sermon. And you think people are just saying, just stop it. Just, just don't do it anymore. But that's not what's being said. We, we can't do that, can we? We don't have the power in and of ourselves. And in fact, that's an act of humility, recognising that we don't have it in and of ourselves. So we have no power. You know, it's not by our strength now that we go out this week, but it's by God's Spirit. The Christmas story is, is that, isn't it? It's not human effort. It's God's Spirit coming to this world in the shape of Jesus Christ. And three times in, the, in these verses in the beginning of Luke, we're told that Mary is a virgin. It's just this reminder, no man did this. It's God that does this. The miracle birth here is the same as the miracle birth that happens in us when we turn to Jesus by faith. That new spiritual birth is, is almost as miraculous as the birth of Jesus. You see, only when our soul magnifies Jesus and rests on him will you have the power to humble yourself. It's a work of the Spirit. So, so how do we rest on him, George? How, how can we begin that process? Well, Mary, she, she pondered these things, didn't she, in her heart? Ponder Jesus. Slow down and take this in. Take time with Jesus this week. So let's ponder him now. If anyone could be proud, wouldn't it be Jesus? Yet he leaves the majesty and the glory of heaven for this dark world. He leaves perfection and comes to a disease-soaked world to absorb every disease, every darkness, every sin. If you want to see humility, look to the cross to the saliva covered, dripping with blood, Jesus, with Mary, his mother, looking on at her saviour. He humbled himself even unto death. Jesus came and died on that cross for the brokenness of humanity, for the sinfulness of humanity, to make a way for us to be right with God to have his spirit come to us, that when we put our faith and trust in him, we become new, new babies really, new creations, born again to the living God. Spurgeon says, we can no more think that God sits on high, indifferent to the needs and woes of men, for God has visited us and come down to the lowness of our estate. Mary rejoices in God, not in her circumstances. She's still surrounded by difficult circumstances. Not in her impending marriage, but in her saviour. 
So can I just, as we draw to a close, speak to you if you're not a Christian here this morning? You've got two options as I see it. It is that pride or it's that humility. You could be proud and say, well, I don't need Jesus. I don't need any of this stuff. I'll I'll just make my own way in life. I'll live life my own way. That's the proud response. I don't need you, God. The second response is humility. Yeah, I realise I've violated God. I've, I've turned to my own way. I've lived life without him and turned to other things instead of the one that created me. I'm humbled by the cross that Jesus needed to die for my sin. That humbles me. But it also shows me his depth of his love for me. And I want to accept that. They're your two options. And my prayer is that you would take option two. Even this morning, wherever you are in your living room, wherever you're listening to this on headphones, please humble yourself before this king. And he will bless you beyond measure. So what makes Mary extraordinary is that she carried her saviour. She was a vessel for Jesus. We are his vessels. If you put your faith in him, we carry him by his spirit to this world, don't we? Because of Christ, nothing you do is ordinary. If we truly understand what Jesus is doing at Christmas, our hearts like Mary's would want to burst into praise and song. And we could sing, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul because of what Jesus has done. We're going to sing in a moment. Can I encourage you, if you're in your living rooms, up out of your chair, to fling your arms in the air, to allow your heart to praise him, to to really engage because that very act cements your joy in him. Christmas is the greatest act of humility. Let's pause and ponder it afresh this year. Let me pray for us. So Jesus, I want to thank you for your great act of humility. That by your stripes we are healed. By what you've done, humble us, Lord, that it took the cross. It took the saviour of the world. It took God himself to come down, to make a way. That should humble us. But Lord, lift us up. You exalt us. We become resurrected with you to new life. Holy Spirit, fill us with the power that we need to be humble, to be of low estate, to say, let it be according to your word. Help us as ordinary people to live this extraordinary life you call us to by the power of your spirit. And for your glory, Jesus, Help each of us, Lord. It's in your beautiful and life-giving name that I pray. Amen.